Good to see you again. Hey, you too. Been uh, it's been a while since we've done a, a, an episode together for the two one five two. Want to um, excited to talk to you about our our last couple of LinkedIn lives, um, and uh, really excited for for the new format of just doing a few LinkedIn lives and you and I getting together and, and summarizing, kind of putting a bow on top, giving some context to the episodes. Uh, and so, I guess for for our, our audience. Um, whether it's on, you know, watching the video format on YouTube or the, the audio format on the podcast. Uh, the purpose of our episode today is, is really to kind of put a bow on top. You know, our, our yeah. purpose is, you know, Mike and I, have, as we started this, you know, over a year ago, you know, we wanted to go in and uh, really crowdsource professional development and take the conversations that you and I were having privately with, with other companies and other districts and states and programs and bring those to the public forum so so you know everybody uh you know all all of our fellow work best earning and apprenticeship practitioners could could grow from that um and so our, our our goal for this whole series is to create a tool to create this and archive this so that whether someone's going through the program a, a process of starting a, t- a teaching as a professional program now or they start that in two years or five years that they can come back and and watch these episodes watch this series and kind of glean some ideas from people who've done it before um, and people who've done it at, with a program that's been, you know, proven to be successful. Uh, so I'm excited to, to get started. You know, any thoughts on, on, on the episodes, you know, before just, let's just, let's just kind of back and forth a little bit on those episodes. What, what, what were your, your thoughts and takeaways? My takeaways were the fact that they were amazing. I thought Dr. Green was phenomenal. I thought Andrea was phenomenal. And you know how I operate when you get a student who's, who's really applied what they're being taught and it becomes something like it has been Madison was great too. And my heck, I couldn't, I would highly recommend that everyone take the chance and time to go through those episodes. Um, I thought it was really cool the way that you laid things out. And I think it's important for the listeners and for those who are going to review this to, to really understand the why. And the way my brain operates is it's all about the what, why, and how it's about the one, two, three, or the ABC, you know, always be closing. Yeah. And, um, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, well, this is cool. And, but what are, what are we trying to take away from this? And, mm-hmm. and that's what I was hoping that we could really hit on today. I feel okay. like you, you really walked us through the process with Dr. Green. You begin with the end in mind and you really showed us that bigger picture on, on how to really make things happen, how to explore the programs, how to partner, how to support. And then you took a step back and said, well, what are we supporting? And you showcased live Madison. And you said, this is what we're supporting. Any district who who has a program that's looking to evaluate it, check this episode out. And then my personal favorite was Andrea. I thought she did such a phenomenal job helping the the listeners understand what they're looking for. And to, to me, this thing just came together perfectly. And I'm not sure if you knew this, Jason, but um, you gave us over 81 minutes of content. So what in the heck are we going to do? <laughs> why would we go watch 81 minutes without like a guide? And yeah. so today, that's why I'm hoping that we can get from you is we can, we can turn that 81 minutes into a 20 minute guide and say, this is what we're looking for. This is why we're looking for it. And this is how we're going to accomplish it. So if you're okay with it, why don't we just dive in? What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. So, so basically Mike, you just, you just highlighted the the story of my life that no one's ever accused me of being concise <laughs> 81 <laughs> minutes um okay well, yeah let's do it let's do it so um i guess i'd ask you 
then then tell me what what from those episodes what needs to be added to it what wasn't clear for someone who says i want to start a, i want to start this we have a need for teachers in our community we are a rural community or we are a metro community but we need to develop our a, a program that's going to infuse teacher talent into our our industry uh what what needs to be added to it what context yeah. can we give them so in episode one, if we want to, or episode three, actually, we're going to go backwards a little bit. Let's start with Andrea's okay. interview. Um, sure. if, if I was stepping into um, work-based learning for the first time, what am I looking for? How do I evaluate if things are good, right? And specifically, if I'm looking at, as, as you talked about, it's the work-based learning and teacher pipeline. So yeah. how can I evaluate and, and know that I'm, I'm on the right path, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and so real fast, I would say with, with this first episode, if you can help us understand um, kind of what we're looking for and how to expand our mind and change the way that we've we've recruited in the past. And that yeah. would be a takeaway that I think any work-based learning professional in the nation could benefit from. Um, and Andrea gave us some very good specifics in there, but yeah. what's your, what's your thoughts on what we're looking for as we start this? Yeah. So, I mean, so if you're starting it, you're saying, Hey, look, we, we have, or, or even if you're in the beginning stages, you're, you're beginning to lay out the foundation for how that program is going to look. Um, again, not just because I'm involved in that, um, because I really am not involved with the teaching side of that. That's Andrea's baby. Like she helps work by starting three blocks a day, but for one block a day, she is committed holistically to that teaching program. Um, so one, I would say the first thing is find an Andrea, right? You know, find someone who has a passion for teaching someone who is going to, you know, bring in the, the, the atypical content, I think that the, the temptation is to go in and talk about pedagogy and classroom management and stuff. That's very valid, but she also teaches lessons that help answer questions students don't want to ask, right? Now, one of the things that she teaches that I went and sat in on is how do, how do you how do you lay out or give an, an expectation for what your salary is going to be based on, ex, based on experience, based on your degree in Georgia? So they go through the, teach, the teacher pay scale. And so it stops a student from having to say, well, how much money am I going to make as a teacher? Uh, that's they, they go through that. And I think that's about how many professionals down the hall for me can't break their salary down. I couldn't. I couldn't break my salary down until I sat to that lesson. So have fun, Andrea, um, and then really think out of the box when it comes to, to recruiting. I think um, she's done a really good job of recruiting what I would say is is maybe an atypical student like she she has a very wide net when it comes to her intro class and then she kind of lets them you know weed themselves out or or choose other areas but i think that when you're trying to start a program especially to to find identify and connect talent to the local industry which in this case is our local schools it's super important to start with a wide net right like start with a wide net because you know if the student doesn't work out they haven't lost anything they still gain some valuable valuable content for you know their future as a parent maybe um so I, I i just love how she runs her program again i don't have anything to do with the way she runs it yeah. but she she takes those students she she's very good at recruiting partners she has great relationships with uh schools she maintains those relationships she doesn't neglect them she maintains them she's thoughtful in how she, she doesn't wear certain teachers or schools out she rotates them around so it keeps it fresh there and um and again, she's just thoughtful. She's professional and she has a passion for it. So yeah. first thing I'd say is find an Andrea, find an Andrea. What do you think about that? 
Well, that's what I was thinking too. Um, it's like, like it's that easy. Just pluck an Andre off a tree. She's, yeah, she's well, exceptional, but put value and time into finding the right person to run the program. Correct. And here's the thing is she actually is not, didn't start the program. It's the, it's the TAP, the TAP program. What does that stand yeah. for again for those teaching who... as a profession? And that, okay. that could differ from, yeah. from district to district or state, not district, district, but state to state that could differ. Um, we have two programs in Georgia. One is teaching's profession. It's meant to design to, to build teachers who are late elementary to middle and high school. And then we have an ECE program which is early childhood education. And that's yeah. more on the, the development side from kind of like birth to, you know, third grade maybe. Um, so those, those programs, when we have both at the high school, they merge well together. And we're actually building out our EC program as we speak. So maybe in next year we can have um, our EC teacher come on and kind of do a follow-up. Yeah. And, and she actually inherited a program that was already developed. And, and it so was, her, and, and it wasn't case, a bad program. It was a good program. Yeah. Yeah. She, she mm -hmm. all she did was enhance it. And 100%. I, think, I think for anyone who's listening, they need to ask themselves right now, can I identify in my district, not just my high school, but in my district, can I identify all of the tap teachers? And yeah. if the answer is yes, then great. You're ready for the next step. And yep. if the answer is no, then if I was you guys, I would be right now writing down, okay, how do, who are they? And, and I would introduce myself to them immediately. Yeah. The, the next thing that Andrea pointed out, which I loved, is she talked about um, not looking at things like discipline when it mm -hmm. comes to a student's past. Um, she says, yeah. sometimes the, the biggest knuckleheads are the best teachers. And, and she actually <laughs> referenced to me. you, Jason. And um, was, yeah. I, I personally laughed when I heard that. And I was like, oh my goodness. And you didn't laugh too much in that. In that. It's almost like it caught you off guard. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm aware I, I wasn't. And that's, that's, that's one of the reasons I love what I do is because I was the student who was branded as just a student athlete. He's going to college to play baseball. You can see there's me playing baseball in the background. Um, and I didn't really have anybody invest in me academically. I didn't have anybody give me a chance because I had some different problems. I was crazy and, and wasn't ever paying attention. I was not a good student. <clears throat> and, yeah. and she knew that she was a teacher here. Uh, it was her first couple of years teaching when I, my, when I was graduating my graduation year. Um, but I guess, I mean, I'm here now and I love my job. Yeah. And so I think if you, if someone were to look at my background and, and write me off as a educator, because I wasn't a good student in high school, uh, maybe I'm biased. I would think that would have been a mistake for them. But, yeah. and, and so she sees that, does that make sense? I mean, yeah. she sees that you can't, that, a, a few mistakes discipline wise doesn't doesn't eliminate a student from consideration from a program uh and she mentors them she brings them in and she walks them through the process and now obviously madison ply was not one of those students she was exceptional from day one mm -hmm. but andrea's got some success stories from students who wouldn't have even been considered uh for other teaching pro programs and and but she likes the challenge she likes the option opportunity to invest in that talent and to again that wide net um, and you know, she's, she's someone who you want to be mentored by. And, and I think students respond well to that. I agree. And I, and this is just me in, inserting what I thought, what I, my takeaway from that too, but I feel like she's, she was kind of implying that sometimes the students who had to go through the biggest change mm -hmm. are the ones that can 
rise up and create the biggest change yeah. um, in a positive manner with the, with the right mentorship. And I, I just yeah. appreciated her um, really being able to focus and point that out. So yeah. I don't think we necessarily give away the next two steps um, of Andrea's. I think it's important for people to go review um, what she was talking about. But like I say, yeah. my takeaway is, is do I know every tap teacher in my district? And that's where I start. And then the second is what is our criteria? What are we looking for in a student? And, yeah. and that's where Andrea will walk you through that. And, yeah. and then that just kind of takes us to Madison, the next, the, yeah. the next episode. So and she just makes me smile every time I think about, she's such a good, polite a young good lady. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she was phenomenal too. And, but you, you've even say, said, not everyone's like her. They're not all like Madison. Um, but what does that look like? So we talked about, you know, when you're exploring or evaluating your program or creating content videos, um, you said it in, in our pre-meeting, you said, I want to, I want to ask these people, what are you doing to, to yeah. showcase what, what, you know, what the, the talent. So mm -hmm. walk me through kind of your evaluation of, of the, of the interview with Madison and your takeaway with that. Yeah. Well, obviously Madison is one of those young ladies who was going to be exceptional at whatever career she chose. Uh, what makes her an exceptional educator is that she has a passion for it. She's gifted for it. She committed to it. And you know, she's the student who was taking dual enrollment classes and graduating early. I mean, she's, I think, barely 21 and she's already a full time teacher. You know, I, I didn't even graduate college uh, until I was 23. You know, I, I was on the, the five year plan, five and a half year plan. <laughs> um, she's super motivated. She was going to be exceptional in whatever she did. But um, she she knew she wanted to be a teacher. And uh, what I, I would say that 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 episode with Madison, it for our audience, if for anyone who is saying, I want to, I'm a veteran. I've been doing not necessarily, and it could be useful for someone who is starting a program or exploring the possibility of starting a program. But her episode to me, I think has value everywhere, but has a lot of value for the veteran teacher, the person who's been running a teaching program, and where they can look at that and say, okay this is the type of success story I should have. Maybe not the first year or two, obviously, because um, you got to build momentum in your program. And and Madison wasn't in the first year or two of Andrea's program. I mean, she was right there, the, I think third, fourth year, and she's done a great job. So you could evaluate, you could look at and listen to Madison, hear her story, hear her anecdotes from the program and how work-based learning extended her experience there and, and say, am I having that? Do I have any of those? Do I have any success stories like that, Mike? Do I have students who are doing that? Have I successfully placed students from my program and retained them in our district somewhere? Maybe not my high school, maybe another school, but have I successfully retained that? Because to me, Madison Ply, that episode is about proof of concept. Mm -hmm. And once you get there, once you've gone through, you know, and, and you've watched the, the, the episode with Andrea and she's showing you how to set it up, and, and, you know, what's, your, what's, what starting your program looks like, then you get to Madison's episode and it's kind of like, okay, th this is how I evaluate whether it's successful or not. This is the proof of concept. And once you have a Madison Ply proof of concept, then it's just about scale, right? You just take that and you scale it. Yeah. You recruit that type of student. And then you also have a little bit more leverage to maybe widen that net more and get a student who may be on the fringe because you've, you've established that your program works. And then you start taking chances on students who may not be as qualified as Madison Ply, but who may be receptive to change because, you know, sometimes 
the students who are bad students but have that Andrea Bridges in their life, they're you just mentioned earlier, maybe they make the greatest teachers because they know the value and the impact the teacher could have on their life, you know? And again, that's not Madison's story. She is the exact opposite, but that's where I believe that episode led me to was say, if I have a program in my system or in my school, this is how I should evaluate it. Do I have students like Madison, uh, either currently in our system or on the precipice of being hired in our system? Uh, and if not, then maybe we can go go back to Andrea's and start reworking our program, her episode, or maybe even go, go to the first episode with Dr. Green and, and find out, am I limited in my impact? Because maybe I don't have the support uh, and, and, and champions for my program like Dr. Green. Maybe that's where you start. Maybe you, maybe yeah. you go all the way back to, to, to square one, but to me, that's what I took away from Madison's episode. Yeah. And I would highly encourage um, to, Two, two things to kind of be looking for to expand your eyes and open your mind um, as you're listening to Madison's is one, if I'm a new, if I'm new to work-based learning or, or the TAP program, um, it's, it's what did, what was Madison doing? Like, yeah. what was her thought process? What was she looking for to provide value to her? And then of mm-hmm. course that value will be returned. And so if, if I'm new, I would look through that. I would, I would listen to it with that mindset as, as to what made it valuable to her and then use that as an evaluation tool for what I'm going to be doing moving forward. And if, if I'm a, if I'm old school or I've been doing it for a while, or I've had success and this is um, it's very difficult sometimes to understand why you've had success. It's just stuff that maybe that most people do naturally. And I think as a teacher, I've seen it myself where we'll send students to a teacher who's exceptional but they don't understand why they're exceptional. So they have a hard time teaching that. And um, again, I would, I would say, look, if that, if that fits you or like, yeah, I'm good at what I do as a teacher, but, but what do I do that makes me different? Go back to Madison's interview with Jason and, and again, evaluate from what made it valuable to her and, and then say, okay, my last student that I, that I mentored or trained, was I, was I thinking about these value pieces as I was training that student? That's a great and point. That's my recommendation as to why in the heck I'd sit down and listen to Jason Van Ness and, and Madison for 20, for 21 minutes worth it. I promise you, you know, yeah. What do you- yeah. she's impressive. She is. I mean, I, I wish I could take credit for that. And Andre the same way we, she, she, we can't, I mean, we helped guide her, but she knew what she wanted to do. And it was easy to direct her because she had a plan and she's like, I want to do this. I want to yeah. do this. And I want to, I want to go right into teaching. And, and she's done that. And I think she's going to be, she's the type of, of student at, at 21 years old. I would have zero. And, and I think and this is important now that I, and I, just for our audience, she's a third grade teacher. So if you know anything about education, third grade <laughs> is super important, Mike. Yeah. Like, and you know, yeah. this like third grades where they do a lot of their high stakes testing. And third grade is also what your your Bureau of Corrections use those metrics to determine future space in prisons. So so kids who don't do on third grade, there's a correlation between that and prison yeah. space. Now, yeah. whether you agree with it or not, all I'm saying is, you know, Madison's exceptional because she's a first year teacher and they put her directly in one of the most influential grades. So, again, that speaks to, to her her quality and her and her her count like she is. She's good at what she does. And the fact that they put her in third grade proves that a first year teacher principal says, look, yeah. you're going to third grade. Like she's, she's just really good. And I would caution any listeners, um, whenever a student who is already exceptional on their own, um, mm-hmm. it, it's easy to, to just naturally discount some of that story saying, well, that wasn't the program. Um, that was the students already prepared. Okay. And yeah, I would say to 
Okay. But then that means that there's still value. What made it valuable to the student? And yeah. that's okay. the evaluation tool. So and then I would say and to answer your question there, what made it valuable is the direct instruction from Andre Bridges in the TAP program, the ability for a work-based learning to come in and partner with TAP and expand that student's opportunity to not just go teach for one semester or one block one semester, but to teach for multiple blocks. So one mm -hmm. block as a TAP student and then two, another, or maybe two additional blocks in that same classroom as two work-based learning blocks. And now they're there for three quarters of a day. They are legitimately pre-service pre-service teacher educator. So they're not yeah. student teaching in college yet, but they're going to have so many hours of experience and exposure to the classroom when they get to college to take their education, they're going to be light years beyond. So that's, I guess if you, and I like, I, yeah. I appreciate you, you, you putting credit there. Um, There's and I guess that's how I'd answer that. What it, it gave her opportunity, exposure, direct instruction, and just the ability to go out and showcase her skills for extended amounts of time. Yeah. And then let's let's um, let's wrap into the last 27 minutes of your 81 minutes um, with yeah. Dr. Green. The only way I could describe listening to Dr. Green, he is as cool as the other side of the pillow. Yes. And I mean, he yes. is just chill, relaxed, cool, open minded and just and he gets it. And you hit him up for subjects like do teachers mess up recruiting? Are they their own worst enemies? Which you also talked with with um, Andre, mm -hmm. but but he he addressed it. Um, you talked about you know partnering programs that don't necessarily um, they're not designed to work together, but they can. Yeah. Um, I mean, he talked big picture and and he talked support systems, but mm -hmm. but why would you encourage anyone to go back and, and re rewatch those twenty seven minutes? So for me, again, reflection on that episode, and, and we didn't necessarily plan these out this way, but as I looked down and broke these down. Um, Dr. Green's episode, again, has value for anyone in that spectrum of the teaching pathway. But if you are exploring the option or the possibility of starting a pathway in your in your district or in your school or in your state, I'd watch his because that's the type of champion at the upper echelons of, le of leadership in a district that it takes to make that program work, Mike. I mean, if you listen to him, he was very clear and persuasive and articulate about the impact that program can have on our district. Uh, he he talked about, you know, not just Madison, we mentioned Madison by name, but also three or four other students were, who have plans to come back, who've gone through that TAP program and and are tied to our local school district. And he's, he's involved in the teacher recruiting process. And so if that's what he does, people ask about inventions all the time. And and, you know, we're working on an entrepreneurship project with our students right now in Georgia called Georgia Flex. It's like Shark Tank for students. And I'm talking to students and I tell them all the time, most inventions are not created to go to the commercial market immediately. Most people create something to make their job easier, right? So that's what I would tell you is Dr. Green was experiencing difficulty and still does recruiting qualified candidates to come teach in our school system. And so he was like, if we already have the kids in our system as high school students who are going to eventually become teachers, why not train them to be teachers while they are in our system, control the quality, control the content, tie them to our other schools, let them gain some experience teaching. And then when they do go off to college, hopefully they'll stay local and go to Vanasa State and, and we can have that direct pipeline. But maybe they go to another school. Maybe they go to Georgia Southern or Kennesaw or something else in Georgia. But 
if they do, they still have a strong facilitated connection to our school system and will hopefully come back. And and, and he talked specifically about that, the, the, the number of students who, who are in that process right now. Um, so that's where the value for me was, is if you are potentially exploring this or you thought it sounded like a good idea and you don't have a program, identify a Dr. Green, who's going to champion your program and who can move the needle for your program. Uh, and then, and just, he's just fun to listen to. I mean, it's like, he's calling, it kind of makes me want to sit on the couch and grab a little blanket and hot chocolate. And he's just such a soothing, calming figure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can see why our district has the success it has with someone of his disposition and intellect uh, at, at, you know, at, at, again, as a su assistant superintendent, I mean, him running the ship, with his programs, uh, he does a really good job with that. I agree. And um, I can't remember who it was that brought it up. It was in a conference a year or two ago. And mm -hmm. they talked about if you don't have a champion, like you talked about. So let's say we don't have a Dr. Green in our district yeah. or wherever we're at in, in, in our you know education. Yeah. Um, he says, then the, the important thing is, is to make sure the person above that person is requesting information on what you do. And, and so yeah. let's let's say the board, if they want to start seeing the, the, the TAP programs statistics or quality yeah. outcomes or measurements, once they mm -hmm. start asking the person above you um, for those for that information, they will really quickly start supporting you so, you, so they can deliver good news to their boss. Absolutely. And I, that was a good piece of takeaway that I thought, you know, that I learned a couple of years ago. But with Dr. Well, Green, same. you are lucky. And, and that's another evaluation tool that the question is. Do if you're listening to this, who is your Dr. Green? And if you have one, then the next step to that evaluation process is going to be when's the last time we've collaborated on on this program on TAP and work-based learning combining forces for recruiting. And and then if you've already done that, then say, okay, what's the results from that? If you've done that, then say, okay, then what did we do with those results? And then how can we scale it? Now, yeah. if you otherwise, if you don't have a Dr. Green, you know where to start. Start, yep. watch, watch his episode with Jason, go there and, and then just start walking that process. Don't you, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if you don't have a Dr. Green, find them and here's how you find them. Okay. Here's how, you know, I've done it in my work best learning program is you've got to tell your story. And I say this all the time when I'm speaking or presenting or consulting, I tell people it's a sorry dog that won't wag his own tail. And I've said it on yeah. this podcast before. Yeah. If if you're not going to share your story, who will? And the more you share your story, the easier it is to identify your champions because they're the ones who come up and say, man, that's great. How can I help? Well, you can be my champion. You can move the needle. And yeah. then you start working till that person get their boss on board and their boss on board. And eventually you work your way to someone like Dr. Green who becomes your champion. And yeah. so that's, that's kind of how, now obviously we didn't have to work the way up. He was already the champion. He kind of helped put these programs in place. But if your district is out of order, and the program exists without that champion, your impact is going to be diluted without yeah. that champion. You've got to have someone who's 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 pushing that forward at the top levels and who's going to support it, who's going to who's going to be OK with the high school student going into elementary school and being in charge of curriculum and, and content and teaching instruction and grading and assessments. And mm -hmm. and and that's that's what they do. They're, they are preparing those students for the for the workforce. Um yeah. And so I have one other takeaway and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you have the closing thoughts or questions or, or move forward is back to what we talked about with Andrea and Dr. Green. 
that teachers can be the worst recruiters for the profession. If you if you do have a pathway, a teaching pathway like TAP or ECE that's struggling, um, don't do this publicly. You could make some enemies, but but examine your culture. Like, are your teachers happy teaching? And if they're not happy teaching, that could ha be having a direct impact on your teaching pathway. Because if they see the people who are teaching them as miserable, unhappy, complaining, that is not a good recruiting tactic for, for you to build a program. Hey, come teach. When all their teachers, you know, all seven of their teachers or four of their teachers, whichever schedule you're on, hate their job. So I'm not saying there's anything you can do about that, but that could be a variable that is causing your program's growth to be stunted. Uh, so again, you can't do anything about that necessarily, but you can identify that as a potential problem and begin to to address that and how you recruit. I agree completely. And, and I'm going to steal a line from Jason. Now I don't get paid to promote you science, but <laughs> I believe in it. So yes, um, I don't either. I, I don't get paid to promote you science either. Just to, just to clarify. <laughs> I just stole your line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I got my... you. I got you. I got you. Okay. Claire, yeah. But um, here's the thing is I just spent two days with them um, at their headquarters up in American Fork, um, Utah. And mm -hmm. The one thing that they really helped me understand and see better, more clearly as a recruiter, is to, to really take your students and utilize the youth science to, to study their aptitudes. Um, yep. A lot of times students will sign up for class because of interest or what they know. And, mm -hmm. and there's a, usually a disconnect between aptitude and interest. But what yeah. we understand is to, to have interest, we have to have exposure. And who, so how are we going to increase the exposure to the right students? Well, I would highly recommend that if you guys have youth science available in your districts, that you pull that data today and, mm -hmm. and have that on your to-do list is to evaluate the aptitudes and then ask yourself, how will I generate um, exposure so I can increase the interest for recruiting? And then yeah. to Jason's point, I think it's even more important if you have a toxic environment um, at times for certain districts, then this is your chance to kind of take advantage of that or not advantage, but get in front of it and utilize the aptitudes and be able to generate ways that you would like these kids to have yeah. better exposure in the right light. And, and then of course, using um, Andrea's tools and, and understanding yeah. on how to, how to keep them active and interested is, is yeah. going to be very valuable. And that's what we're going through right now at my, at my school. Again, we're a pretty large school. We're 3,200 kids. Um, we launched Youth Science. I've been using it in my personal program for two years, but we launched a system or, or, or school-wide. Um, wow. What a great recruiting tool to be able to look at the students. And so so what I call that is I have always told, and, I, and, I've, and I'm, I'm glad they're starting to kind of pick that language up, is I don't like the term interest because interest for high school students does equate to exposure. And a high school student cannot be interested in something they have not been exposed to somewhere. Yes. And that's where youth science and the aptitude portion comes in is it gives them a whole other variable of here are careers that you would be good at that you may not know exist. Correct. And what you can do then on the back end is search for that student. And then you can identify. So I even sat down with Andrea and there is a massive aptitude to interest ratio. I, I think it's something like 26 to one. So that means in, in, in my school, for every one student who's interested in education, there are 26 who have the skill set to be good at it. Yes. I call that as a recruiter, I call that, Mike, low-hanging fruit. Oh, yeah. Because all I got to do now is target market those students, bring them to an event, say, hey, look, you may have never considered education before, but your skill sets match up. Do an individual analysis of their skill sets, show that to them, and then say, have you considered teaching profession pathway. Here's Ms. Bridges. She's awesome. She'll be your mentor. And that sells itself. But 
that exposure gap of what they know and what they're good at exists in students and a tool like you science can really close that gap and help you start the program uh regardless of what stage you're in you can start your program you can sustain your program um or you can call data as the tool to to take to stakeholders and say we need to bring this program to existence so if you're starting it if it has just started and you're beginning to grow it or it's sustaining it, a, a, an existing program USAT is the tool that i would recommend using across the board so awesome any thoughts in closing we're just a few minutes over our our, our scheduled time no that's all i've got um i think when it's all said and done be looking for i'll do a recap like a document that we can put together like a newsletter or just kind of recap episode of, yeah. of a checklist that will help um, the listeners utilize this as a tool moving forward. Yeah. So and we look maybe for that to poll, be coming out. Maybe put a poll out on, on our LinkedIn just to see, get some feedback on, on the process and maybe right. some, yeah, I like it. All right, Jason, you the man. I appreciate hey, your time. I appreciate it, Mike. Everybody, thank you all for joining us again as this recap for our, our previous three episodes. I hope you join those uh, or enjoy those. And if you have any issues getting access to them, they're, they're categorized on the 2152 LinkedIn page. Uh, and if you still can't find them, send us an email and I'll send you a direct link. So uh, if you have any questions, let us know. Mike, have a great weekend. Hey, um, you guys are awesome. I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. Thank you.